0: Wow, that overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God is certainly amazing that God would love us that way and look on us in that kind of compassion and love. And yet we're here this morning, so it's evidence of His patience and love, and not That God is long-suffering and kind and He cares about us. And so I'm thankful that you're here this morning. I want to say welcome to you. First Sunday of 2020. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around 2020, but uh, I guess that is uh, so, and uh, it's really great to be here worshiping with you this morning. Uh, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Colossians chapter 3, and I want to share with you a message this morning about living up to your potential. You know, when we think about that very thing, certainly being a new year, we consider having resolutions or new goals or new aspirations for a new year. Uh, after all, we can always start these things. Uh, some of us may be a little better about uh, keeping those goals and aspirations, uh, those resolutions, but uh, yeah, we have to try, don't we? I mean, if we don't try, we'll certainly never succeed, and so if you haven't made any plans or set any benchmarks for your life this year, I want to encourage you to do that. It gives us something to shoot for. And I really believe that when God saved us, that he saved us and invested in us great potential. I believe a child of God has amazing things to be done, and God wants to do amazing things in our life. We have unlimited potential because God is a God who's unlimited. And so we need to, I really believe, live up to that potential. Let me give you some reasons why I believe if we don't live up to our potential that we minimize the work on the cross. In other words, if we're not being who God wants us to be, then why should he have died for us? And so there's that danger of you and I shrinking the the, the dimensions of the cross, minimizing what, what Jesus did for us. I think also there's the danger of cheapening his sacrifice. That if we're not living up to the great value that he placed on us, then... The great value he gave for us isn't being known or it isn't being an experienced. And so we really are encouraged in Scripture to live up to the potential that God has for us, what he saved us for. You realize that God is always intentional in everything that he does, that any action that God does, he has purpose behind it. And when he saved you, he saved you for a purpose, for, for a reason He saved you so that you and I could glorify Him. And if we're not living up to that potential, then we certainly ought to reevaluate our lives and find out maybe what those barriers are, what's restricting us from living up to the potential that God saved us for or His purpose that He saved us for. And I think Paul lays some challenge down for us. that he, He says... Think about these things, and as you think about these things, consider uh, whether or not that we're measuring up to that potential that God has for us. Follow along with me, if you would, in Colossians chapter 3, beginning verse 1. I want to read through verse 11, uh, and listen to what the Word of God says. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, which Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on, and not on things of the, on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members, which are of the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man... Who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Bow with me if you would. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much today for your amazing love that, Father, you chose to love us before we chose you. That you chose to die for us before we chose to believe in you. Father, you've responded to our needs through grace and mercy. And you've, you've, you've reached out to those needs with your everlasting life. So, Father, help us to respond appropriately. Respond the way that we should by giving our lives back to you. And, Father, I pray that you'll help us to understand Challenge our lives with these words this morning. Father, just uh, open up our understanding and help us to hear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Paul begins to lay down that challenge for living out our potential in Jesus Christ. Uh, in verses 1 and 2, if you look, uh, there's look, because in these verses there's a call from God. That, that God calls out to us through His Word. God is always calling out to us for different things in the Scripture. Uh, you know, I, I think some of those promises that God has are are in the form of a, a calling to come to Him. Uh, one of my favorite passages is, Come all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. How often do we need that kind of rest, that spiritual rest, that physical rest, and yet God is calling us to rest in Him. Uh, he's calling us to trust in Him. Uh, he's calling us to give our lives to him. And so he makes this call here for us to live up to the potential that he's uh, He's saved us for too. And so he uh, He issues this call. If you look at verse 1, he makes his plea in verse 1. He says, if then you were raised with Christ. What a challenge, isn't it? So the scripture and God is saying through the apostle Paul that if you're raised with Christ, then there are certain things that ought to happen. Uh, makes sense, doesn't it, that if this happened, then this, if and then. If this happens, then this should be the response. And so Paul is is giving this plea that if we are raised with Christ, in other words, if we're raised in new life with Jesus Christ, if we're raised because of our faith in Him as Savior, if we're raised together, we didn't write, and all of us that are Christians that are born again have been raised We've been raised out of death to life, out of darkness to light, uh, out of destruction to salvation. God raises us up and and he calls us because of that relationship that we have with him uh, to to, uh, really live for him. Uh, His appeal is made on the basis of how Christ has affected us. How has Jesus affected your life? since you've known him, has he made a difference, has, he, uh, has, has life changed for you? Uh, if, if none of these things have happened, then we may want to reexamine that relationship if we really have that. Because if Christ has entered your life and your heart, if you believed in him as your Savior, then there's no possibility that some change hadn't happened in your life. And so because of that, how has he affected you? He uses that same plea Paul does in other passages of Scripture and other letters that he's written. One of those is in Philippians chapter 2. And Listen to what he says. He says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being, in Philippians, he said, by being like-minded. And he goes on to say, let this mind of Christ be in you. And so over and over in the Scripture, especially in Paul's writings, he's saying if this is true, then this ought to be what happens. If you've had this kind of experience with Jesus Christ, then this ought to be the outcome of it. And so here he's reminding us, if we have this relationship with Jesus Christ, then we ought to be living to our potential. We ought to be living uh, toward what God wants us to live for. He says uh, another place in, uh, that he writes to the Corinthian church, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, then he is a new creation. If we're in Christ Jesus, then our lives ought to be characterized by a new creation. And so Paul reminds us here that if we're risen with Christ, then here's what ought to happen. We ought to be seeing the potential that we have in Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. We ought to be living toward that potential. You see, he, gets, he makes his plea in verse 1. But also, if you look at verse 1, he gives us perspective. Not only does he say, if this happened, then this is what ought to be the outcome. But he says, and here's what the outcome ought to look like. He, he says, um, he says in, in, in verse 1, uh, he says, um, If you're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. There's the perspective, isn't it? That, that here's the plea, that if you're risen with Christ, reach your potential. How are we going to do that? What's the perspective? What's that look like? It looks like someone seeking those things which are above, right? So now all of a sudden we kind of know the direction we need to go in. And so we seek those things which are above. Why are those things above? Let me tell you, those things above, let, let me just give you a simple answer. Because they're better things, those things that are above are better than the things that are below. Compare that. Life above is better than life below. Relationships above are better than relationships below. Right? Things that are happening in heaven are better than things that are happening on earth. And so, what Paul is saying is that seek to have those like relationships like those above. Wow. Do you know what kind of relationship that we have with each other above? No jealousy, right? No competition, uh, no anger, no bitterness, no disappointment, no separation, no sorrow, no loneliness, none of those things. It's all because those things are better. And so what Paul is saying is that as believers, we ought to be seeking those things that are above here on this earth. In other words, we ought to be seeking better relationships. Well, we, we ought to be seeking... Selflessness instead of self centeredness. We ought to be seeking those things which are above uh, because they're better. Let me give you what what else? He he goes on to say things above where Christ is. Now, listen, that's pretty uh, revealing in itself. Uh, Where is Christ? Uh, Well, Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, right before he left, he says, I'm going and I'm preparing a place for you. And when I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So not only are the things that are above better, but the places above is better. And we ought to be seeking uh, those things above. Listen, what does Jesus say about the things that are precious, the things that are treasures to us? He says, lay them up in heaven, right? Lay them up in heaven. Put them in the storehouse that's above. Do those things that honor God for eternity that are things that will translate for us into heaven. Rewards and things like that. And so we're, why? Because it's going to be a better place. He, says, he describes not only our perspective by those things above where Christ is, but he also says about Christ who's sitting at the right hand of God. Sitting at the right. I want you to think about that just for a minute. You see, our citizenship is in heaven. And not only that, but our Savior's in heaven too. Who is the right hand of God? Paul says in the book of Romans, he says, who is at the right hand of, of God who also makes intercession for us. That Jesus Christ is there interceding for us in heaven. And you, you know the word intercession means asking on our behalf? What's the Son doing? He's asking the Father on our behalf for the things that we need. So when you think about, well, you know, it's hard seeking those things above. Or it's hard keeping our mind focused on heaven. Or it's difficult doing those things. You know what? We have an advocate, and his name is Jesus Christ, who's praying for us constantly and always for us to be able to set our minds on things above. Huh. You know, years ago, pastors used to warn the church. And they, they used to warn the church, uh, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Well, we're long past that, by the way, in the church today. <laughs> but that's really what God's calling us to be. Is he's calling us to be heavenly minded. Living here on earth, but being heavenly minded. Thinking about those things and, and living our lives in that same direction. And so he makes his plea and he gives us that perspective. But, but, but if you look at verse 2, he shares a problem. See, wouldn't it be great if everything that God calls us to do was just was just easy i mean wouldn't everybody be a christian though if everything just really came easy and and if if it was easier to be a christian than it would be to not be a christian (laughs) Uh, but it's really not that way and so he he warns us about this problem he says in verse two set your minds on things above not on things on the earth and therein is the problem, isn't it? Things on earth. Things on earth. You know, if the things of the earth weren't so appealing, right? You know, if cookies weren't so good, I wouldn't be so fat. <laughs> right? If the flesh wasn't so powerful, uh, I, I wouldn't be so, so weak. And that's the things of the earth. The problem is that these things down here look good. And they're appealing to us and they're attractive to us. And we have an enemy who organizes things here on earth in a way that makes everything except heaven appealing to us. Attractive to us. You know, if sin weren't so appealing, then nobody would be sinning. But it really is. And we've got to be honest about that. And we have to realize that, that, that this problem lies in that very thing. You see, the world makes things appealing. There's a competition for our priorities and for our passions. And that competition rages in us and around us every single day. This world wants to pull us away from Christ, away from uh, his, his purpose, away from uh, what He determines being our, our great potential. Listen, we're seeing it all around us. We're, we're, we're seeing it in the church today. Well, listen, when the second largest denomination in the United States of America can't even get together with the Bible and determine that homosexuality and other sins are, are an abomination to God, then we've got a problem in the church. Listen, I'm not just singling out homosexuality. Look, adultery, murder, fornication, all those kind of things the Bible determines as as being sinful, and in rebellion against God. And when we can't come together and agree on the basic things about how life ought to live, what's what's the pulling dynamic in that very thing? Is it not the world and the culture that we live in today? Right? Isn't it that that really the things that human beings want to do versus the things that that God commands us to do? And, And there's the problem, isn't it? And so what do we want to do? We want to accommodate those things in our life. You know, we want to have it the best we can here on earth, waiting for the supreme best in heaven. But the problem is, so often those things are in conflict with what God wants us to do. To be singular for Him. You know, if we believe in God, and if we call ourselves Christians, and if we believe that the Bible is God's revealed word, Then, how can our minds and lives be in conflict with the Word of God? Now, look, look, I'm not talking about that you and I make mistakes. Look, every day, uh, somewhere along the way, uh, that I'll find myself in having, having missed the mark somewhere along the way. And I'll ask God to forgive me and I'll confess that to Him. But listen, that's never the outset of my heart is to want to be, I'm, going, I'm, not going to, I'm not saying to myself, I want to be disobedient to God. I want to be obedient to him. That's my heart's desire. Every day to live in obedience to him. And, and, and so Paul reminds us, look, that, that hey, when God calls you to, to the potential that you have by living for him, there's, sometimes there's problems, right? There's challenges. Let me say it like that. Maybe that's a better word. Now, there's challenges to that desire that we have to live for him. And you say, well, Brother Mike, why did you have to tell me that? Because I've got to be honest with you. You know, it's there. You've got to be warned about it. You have to know that. But look, and, and there's always the danger of, of, of multiple failures causing us to be defeated. Right? You know, that, that often we, we, we set out to do this, live up this potential, and we find ourselves missing the mark. And missing the mark, listen, no matter what, look, don't give up. Don't give. God's not going to measure you so much on how perfectly successful you are, but he's really going to can't count on how faithful you are. How many times you get up and start again? How many times you set your mind again for him and for his glory? And so God calls us to live up to our potential this year. You may set out and say, I want to do this for God. And along the way, you may say, "Whoa, I missed that one or I missed that one or I missed that. Listen, okay, that's fine. Every day is a new beginning with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just get up and start again. Well, let me give you a second thing. Not only living up to our potential that, that there's a call from God, but if you look at verses 3 through 4 uh, in, in this potential thing, there's a, a challenge to grow. That living up to our potential is all about growth. It's about growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, <clears throat> and And, as you look at it with me in verses three through four, first of all, the source of growth is obviously Jesus Christ. He becomes the source uh of our growth. It's about him. If you look back up into um verse one again uh he says, "Where Christ is setting in other words, Christ is a sinner he he's the the uh object, the pattern of our growth, in other words, we're growing like him um the scripture says uh that we're predestined to be conformed to his image. So he's the source. So we want to be like Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you another thing about uh, not only this challenge and that source is Jesus Christ, uh, but also understand that, that there's the security for growth. In other words, if, if something's going to grow, it needs certain things. I mean, if a plant's going to grow, it needs sunlight, it needs some soil, uh, it needs some moisture. Uh, those kind of things are going to cause to grow, and in that environment, pretty much anything can grow. You see as believers that we need a secure place to grow now what wh- wh- where does Paul say that is? Look at verse three: "For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Now look <clears throat> i can't begin to describe to you how secure that place is. <laughs> I mean our life is hidden. In Christ, with Christ in God. Well, what does all that mean? Well, you know, first of all, if, if you look at just for a minute, the, Paul uses the word, he says that you've died. And that word died literally means to drown. And it's significant that Paul uses the idea of death and drowning because really it means to be submerged into something. You see what Paul's saying? If you're submerged in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you, verse 3, for you died and your life is hidden uh, with, with uh, Christ in God. So there's this sense of identification with Jesus Christ, that we're submerged with him, that we're so in union with Christ as believers that there's no separation. In other words, it's as if we were molded and made together and inseparable in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Paul uses this word, in a sense, for us to get a vision or an understanding that that this thing, that we're totally and absolutely in union with Christ because of his death and our faith in him, that that we're, we're unable to be separated. And so, certainly, that's a secure place for us to grow, isn't it? I mean, if we can't be separated from Christ, then we can risk certain things that we can have the freedom to push ourselves beyond what we might think that we're capable of in our relationship with God. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes our circumstances of testing our faith are forced on us. Amen? Anybody? No? No? Okay. (laughs) Well, sometimes they are. Sometimes we wake up one day and we find ourselves in a set of circumstances that we didn't choose, that we certainly don't want, That if we could get rid of them right now, we'd be very happy to do that. And and, and yet it's in those times that God gives us the, the place to grow. In other words, these circumstances become the pot that the flower grows in. Sometimes there's circumstances of our own making. In other words, we just mess up. And because we've messed up, we've got to live through some consequences. We have to learn how to trust God and move forward in those things. And so, but yet, we're still safe, right? Because we're in Jesus Christ. He uses the word hidden, another really neat word that he chooses purposefully through the Holy Spirit. And the word hidden here means to cause to be safe or to protect by hiding. In ancient times, it meant to cover with a shield. I want you to think about that. How many of you feel like you're in war, in battle? And, and it really would feel good if you had a shield laying over you that would protect you from the blows and the pain and the things that you're struck with throughout a day. Well, look, that is Jesus Christ. He is your shield and portion. And he covers you. Where that in this challenge to grow, that you have a space that you can grow in your relationship with him. Grow in your faith, confidence in God. We'll look at verse 4, not only the security in verse 3, but he talks about the sufficiency for growth in verse 4. Where does all this come from? When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Christ, who, what does Paul say? When Christ, by the way, who is our life. In other words, when Christ, who is our everything. When he is our existence. When he, he is our essence. When he is our everything. And that's what happens when we come into relationship with him. Whether we understand it or not, it, it's really the nature of a Christian's relationship with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, I mean, he is our life. For the believer, look, we may not live it out every day, but if we're honest with each other, if you say, as a Christian, what's the most important thing to you? Give the Bible answer. Jesus, right? Hopefully, you do that because you know that's the truth. He is our life. And in that, he becomes the sufficiency for us to grow. In other words, he brings to our experience everything that we need. Just like that plant needs light and soil, moisture to grow, Jesus Christ brings his life, his spirit, his power, his understanding, his wisdom, his counsel, his everything to our life so that we can grow in that relationship. Why a challenge to grow? Because we'll never be what God saved us to be until we grow into it. We grow into it. We're not born in the family of God, reaching our full potential just like a baby's not. But listen, once we're born in the family of God, we have the potential to grow into everything that God wants us to be. Now let me give you one last thing. There's not only that challenge to grow, and that call of God. But one last thing that Paul points out, in that potential for us to be what God wants us to be, there's always a change toward goodness. A change toward goodness. The evidence of it is, is that how God is changing our life. If we're growing, okay, so what? What does that growth need to look like? You know, a weed can grow. Uh, you know, things can grow, but, but they can grow in a non-healthy way. Uh, but what does it look like when a Christian grows? It looks like goodness. Goodness. Uh, verse 5 says, Therefore put to death your, mem- in your, your members which are on the earth. And he gives a list of things, right, that the flesh is, is caught up in and compelled with. And, and he says, put those things to death. You see, when we're growing toward goodness, here's the means that those things are dealt with. It's death. Put them to death. The word death here means to drain the power out of it, to destroy its strength. Some places in the Bible, the word death means to account it as if it's dead or to treat it as if it's dead. Now look, here's the problem. I, I, I can find sin in my life and look at it and say, you're dead. But it's not. You know, I can name it as dead. Dead. But it's not always dead, is it? I mean, those, those things that, that sometimes characterize our life as habits. Maybe we're not as loving as we ought to be or forgiving as we ought to be or as accepting as we ought to be, whatever it is. And, and all of a sudden, we feel like we need to grow in those areas. And maybe that selfishness and that unforgiving or anger. Paul mentions anger in here. And so we can, we can get angry and, 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 and we can get convicted about it and we can repent of it. And we can say, Lord, forgive me. I'm turning away from that anger. You're dead. And in a matter of minutes, it revives itself. Uh, maybe, you, maybe that's not your experience. But if it is, how do we deal with that? How do we, how do we deal with that? I, I think one of the things that Paul gives us to deal with that is, is and the Scripture tells us to really to, to do some self-examination, to, to look at those things, to judge ourselves, the Scripture says in some places. Because when we really begin to see some of the things that might, might characterize our lives or be a part of our life and, and put that in the context of Christianity, our Christian relationship, or our love for Jesus Christ, all of a sudden it gets real easier to turn away from those things, right? Let me give you an example if I can. Uh, Paul uses some descriptive things, and he says, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, uh, filthy language out of your mouths. You know, sometimes that Christians are guilty of those things. Sometimes that, that, that good brother so and so mashes his finger with a hammer and he lets out a big one. And, or sometimes maybe it doesn't even take that to let out that kind of language. Or maybe sometimes we're guilty of looking at wrong things. They just pop up, and, and we, we take a peek, and then we take another peek, another peek, and on and on. And so all of a sudden, how, how, do, we, how do we deal with that? Well, listen, if that's unchallenged in our life, then you know what's going to happen? It's going to grow. It's just like the weeds in the garden If they're unchallenged they are going to grow. But what do we do with those kind of thoughts? Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 10, bring those thoughts into captivity. The obedience of Christ. What does that mean? Well, it's when we begin to have those thoughts, when our mind begins to go in that direction, is that we really challenge those thoughts. Is that we say, now listen, I'm having this thought, but how does that work in relationship to who I am? How is that going to please my Savior? How is that thought going to bring me closer to Jesus Christ? How how is that habit that I've got that I've discovered in my life, or that stronghold in my life, how in the world is that going to make me more to have more potential for Jesus Christ? It's only till we challenge our thoughts in the context of who we are in Jesus Christ that we'll ever have any victory over those thoughts. And he strengthens us through those. He goes on and says in verse... uh, uh, verses 6 and 7, he talks about a motive to change. He gives us some motivation. We need motivation for everything, right? I need motivation for getting up in the morning. I need to be motivated by uh, my wife Jackie sometimes. I'll hear her up and I'll get motivated to get up or whatever. Uh, but we need motivation. That, Where does that motivation come from? Look at verse 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Do you know what Paul's saying? He says, as a believer, sometimes we're guilty of doing the very things that God is judging lost people for. Think about that. (laughs) He goes on and says in verse 7, he says, uh, uh, In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. In other words, he's reminding us, he these are the things that God saved you from. Why would we go back to the very things that God has saved us from? And so in that motivation, right? What's your, I don't know. My first response to that idea when I thought about it and I was reading these verses of Scripture, I thought, yeah, right, why would I do that? And the answer is I really wouldn't. I really don't want to. And so Paul reminds us of this motivation. Don't be who you were, but be who God saved you to be. He talks about in verses 8 through 11, he talks about a method. Really, what he says, it's really kind of up to to you and I. He says in verse 8, but now you yourselves are to put off these things. You, yourselves, right? What does that sound like, you, yourselves? sounds like personal responsibility, doesn't it, about these things? Now, listen, God doesn't leave us helpless and without strength to do that. But, you know, if believers, if we just sit back and wring our hands and say, oh, Lord, this is going on in my life, uh, you know, take it away from me, uh, uh, you know, take uh, it out of my life and all these kind of things, you know, How's that responsive to God? Hey, I'd be glad to sit back. Lord, make me perfect. You know, you make me perfect. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't have any part in it. But would you make me perfect? What God is calling us to do is join Him together. Come into agreement, fellowship. Same desire, walking with Him. The Bible says we walk in the Spirit, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Choosing to yield ourselves to Him, to His Word, to His Spirit in our lives. And moving toward the potential that God has for us. You see, that's what God's calling us to today. Living up to your potential that He has for you. Bow with me, if you would, this morning we'll pray.